Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Um, let's, um, our key scripture, which we, we're going to start with, and which we'll probably start with because uh, on a number of Sundays, because this is the, a focus portion of passage that uh, the elders and their wives have agreed that we should... Uh, that's an inside joke, I guess. But... Uh, that we should uh, pursue and uh, and teach to the body of Christ. And so, if you would turn your to your Bibles, the uh, Second Peter, chapter one. And I specifically have verses four and six because that's really what I'm going to be focusing on. But um, let's start beginning verse three. It says, "Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by or to." his own glory and excellence. For by these, okay, for by these, this glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world world by lust. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes, uh, so he goes on to say that we won't, even, we won't even stumble. If these things are increasing in you, we won't even stumble. So what, it's a glorious thing to think about that. You know, it's, if these qualities are, are in, in our lives and that we're continually allowing them to grow and being processed in our lives by the Holy Spirit, we will be rendered neither fruitless and we will not stumble. That's a powerful thing. And we'll be partakers of the divine nature. Now, what I've been asked to teach on this morning has to do with two specific things. And you can see them up on the slide here. You can see that, um, now for analogy reason, I'm just using, I'm using buckets here, okay? And, and just for analogy's sake. So we have this thing, uh, this faith bucket. Because what we're doing is we're supplying to our faith. Now, I don't want us to get the impression that we somehow can, you know, grow our faith or to, uh, uh, you know, to somehow expand our faith. We're given a measure of faith. And I believe that, and even Mitch has talked, uh, you know, teached on, taught on this last several weeks or weeks ago, that we, we have faith. And it's a matter of using our faith. So what really comes down to is that these things are supplying to keep our faith lubricated and activated. Okay, so we, what is it we are supposed to supply? And, and I think the order here, and in, in Peter, I think the order is important. That, and I'm just putting the two buckets that I'm going to be speaking of. So we see here that perseverance is supplying self-control. And then self-control, of course, ultimately is supplying our faith bucket. Now, it's, it's really important that we pour these things into faith. Okay, because we have the opportunity, we can pour things that into um, things that aren't really our faith, aren't building, aren't supplying our faith. 
So for, let me just give you an example. In other words, if it's perseverance, then I'll get into why or how we will know whether these things are supplying our faith. But perseverance, let's, for example, I've had to endure, many of you have probably had to endure or persevere through a lot of really bad offensive hokey football this, this season. Okay? They've looked really bad, haven't they? Well, they still have, they still have no running game. And it's... <laughs> It's, it, and it's pretty pathetic. So, so we've had to endure that through that or persevere through that. Now, is that perseverance adding to our faith bucket? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Because you obviously have faith that we're getting better. That might be true. That might be true. Or if I go to the gym and I'm going to persevere through one more set of weights... I mean, is that adding to my faith bucket? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, maybe not. If I spend, here's another really, I think a really good example of not. If I persevere long hours at work to produce another, get another paper out. You know, I got to get that paper out. Is that necessarily, you know, perseverance leading to increasing my faith bucket? Or supplying my faith bucket? Or, it, it, you know what it really could be? It could be fear of, I could be motivated, my perseverance could be motivated simply by fear of failure. There's a lot of things in our lives that can be, you know, where we persevere because of other things that are operating in our lives that aren't necessarily related to our, our faith. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, when I, it's, you know, Rick always says that, you know, you're going to get tested in the area of the thing that you're teaching on. And uh, um, I, I don't know if not everybody knows, but I'm, you know, I'm believing and we're persevering through, you know, really a family crisis right now in our lives. And uh, the, the, the perseverance of my daughter, Rena, seeing her husband, you know, um, his body being ravaged with cancer, my son-in-law, is, 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 is a perseverance test that our, our family's never experienced before. You know, Rick says you were going to be tested if we're, things we teach. I don't know if I'll ever volunteer for another message here again, but um, if that's the... <laughs> but, you know, I'm believing, I'm believing with my, my daughter because her faith is... Her perseverance in faith has actually increased my, my faith. When, I, when she speaks... You know, and she just, the belief I hear, the, the thing she speaks coming out of her mouth just blows me away. And it's a, just a testimony of persevering in faith. Now, there, there, her perseverance is definitely in her faith bucket because the key here is what is the object of our faith? See, you can have faith, like Rick's talked about, Mitch has talked about, you can have a faith in a lot of different things, right? But there's only really one true who can transform our hearts and our lives, our situations, everything for the glory of God. And that's Jesus Christ. So the object of that bucket has got to be pointed, or it's got to be pointed toward Jesus. It's just not have, I can do that or, you know, because then we can have faith in ourselves to accomplish something, right? If I see that, you know, the other issue here is self-control. You know, I, I've got that gallon of ice cream sitting in my freezer and it's just sitting there and it's been sitting there for a long time and I'm thinking, man, that's just going to go bad if somebody doesn't, you know, eat that thing. You know, that can sit there and gnaw at you or no, just, just go eat that ice cream, right? 
Well, in it, amen. But self, self-control would say, you know, ah, I'm not going to do that, you know, because I know that it probably wouldn't be good for me to do that. But is that self-control? Is that supplying my faith? Or is it just supplying my, you know, is it just me? You know what I'm saying? So the key here is that not only do we have to have perseverance and self-control that God's calling us to these things, to supply these things, they've got to be supplied to faith, and that the object of that faith has to be Jesus. Okay? So the, the bottom line is perseverance and self-control that count, I mean, in other words, that it could be counted to our, to our lives, is that which activates, literally activates our faith. Because these things are supplying, why do they supply our faith? For what purpose? Again, so that we can be ultimately complete, that we could partake in the divine nature. Right? That's the goal here. That these things would allow us to partake of the divine nature and that we would be rendered neither useless and, and we would not stumble. That's, a, that's a, an amazing thing. Because I think when I stumble, man, I feel like I'm stumbling all the time. I mean, I'm stumbling over my own feet. Okay. So, um, Amy, let's go on to the next one. So, let's, we're, I'm going to start with perseverance this morning. So, First of all, what is perseverance? There's the Greek word is hupomone. Okay, now for those of you who like Greek, I know Rick likes to use Greek, and I did this more for his benefit than ours because you know he likes the Greek. Okay, so but what? It, what? <laughs> you like to pick on me? It's your turn. It's okay. It's not fair. Is fair, right? Right? Yeah. See. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. So, what is what does perseverance mean? It literally means to to wait patiently. Okay, the Greek definition is to wait patiently, to endure. So, you, whenever you see the word like endurance in the Bible, it's the same same root word, to endure in steadfastness, to remain, or to stay behind. Okay. And I get, you know, when you say, stay behind, and I, the picture I see there is like when Jesus taught, was teaching to a group of people, I'm not sure how many people, but uh, when he said, you know, unless you drink my blood and eat my body, you know, you have no part in me. And of course, everybody was just freaking out by that, right? I mean, they just, and people started like, what did they start doing? They started walking away. They started turning around and said, well, forget this. Right? And, and then Jesus says to, I think it was Peter, he says, well, are you going to leave too? And what, is, what does Peter say? He says, Lord, where, 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 where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. That's what it means to stay behind. See, what, there was, how could he do that? Because he knew in his heart, there was something in his heart, there was a faith, there was a supply to his faith that said, Jesus is the answer. He's the one. Right? So I'm going to throw up my definition of perseverance. And I, and I say my because this is, you know, let, you know, let it be what it is. Okay? I didn't use a, I'm not using a Bible dictionary. I'm not using a, a, a regular Webster's or anything like that. But just based on what I think the Word of God is telling us, 
what perseverance is. It's a characteristic or attitude of remaining fixed or immovable, of course, in Jesus, in the face of obstacles. An example might be, this is actually an old version of my thing, but uh, anyway, for an example, trials and tribulations, even when we don't see an end, to a per, the, the, the circumstance or the situation that we're persevering in. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, but the thing is, and again, this going back. No, it can't be. We're not. We can persevere in our flesh. Okay, we can. But the perseverance that supplies our faith activates our faith. All right. So if we're persevering and it's causing our hearts to to turn to Jesus, it's causing our hearts to believe. Because right? faith is what? Believing and, 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 and trusting, right? Isn't that what it is? So if those are the things that are going on, then perseverance is going to activate our faith. It's actually going to cause us to, to believe. Now, that's a really interesting thing because when you think about persevering, like I, right now, the thing we're persevering in is life, life and death itself in our family. We've never experienced anything like this before. In fact, I remember Ingrid recently saying, you know, just not even long ago, I said, man, God's been so good to us, we really have not ever had to experience any real tragedy in our family at all. And now all of a sudden, I mean, we're facing this incredible obstacle. And yet, you know, with the unknown, I mean, the, the perseverance and faith that we're, I'm seeing in my family, it, it, it's just unbelievable. It's just it just encourages me and it strengthens me. And, um, and I know that God, my God is faithful. We were singing it this morning. God is faithful, full of faith, full of faith. And he's supplying right now to us. And it's just a remarkable thing. Um, so anyway, let's look at some some pictures, and there are some really interesting pictures in the Word of God, and I can't possibly go into all of them, but the pictures of, of perseverance. And the one that, that I really like um, is the one in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, where it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Now, it's interesting. There, you, I want you to see the picture here, because a lot of times we just say, yeah, we read it, and that's really cool. But just think about this in terms of perseverance. Because what do you think about what acts on them means? All right? Maybe compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. Yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And of course, we know what, or should I say who, the rock is, right? The rock is Jesus. So if just let's look at the scripture a little more in depth, because clearly here it says if you hear these words, you know that obviously you have to hear and then you have to respond. Now a response requires an action. Response requires what? You have to actually persevere to respond. You don't just well yeah I'll do I'll do it. I mean, but it's it's a perseverance. It's an act of perseverance. And not only that, but there's just this whole scripture as a whole thing, because he's saying that, you know what, the storms of life are going to come. We, know we're, we live in a world in which the storms of life, we, we live in a fallen world. The storms of life are going to come. Jesus said, you know, you are going to have troubles. There's going to be troubles. But he said, what, take heart, I've overcome the world. 
you know, we can take comfort in knowing that he overcame. And he's calling us to overcome. Well, how do we overcome? Part of it is, is persevering. The person who perseveres in this scripture is going to be able to stand. Because, what are they standing on? Again, the focus of the faith is Jesus. Jesus is the rock. The storms are going to come. Are we going to stand? There's an act of perseverance. Because it's really easy to go, I can, stay, I can make it through one storm. I can make it through two storms. But that third storm, I don't know. You see, it's a process of believing in our lives. That no matter what kind of storm, no matter what comes, that we will be able to stand. So that kind of perseverance is what we need to be adding to that faith bucket to keep that faith activated because we don't want to give up because we'll see what happens when we give up. Now another interesting scripture related to this too is Paul's word, um, in, in, in 2 Timothy, in, near the end of his life, um, you know, Paul wrote, he says, I have fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award on me on that day. And not only to me, but also the, all to those who love his appearing. You know, there's a, if you look at the scripture again in terms of persevering, I mean, Paul is saying, I have what? Fought the fight. There's a fight. There's a battle. It, and it's not for the cowardly of heart. I mean, the things, again, in this world, the things that we're doing, the fighting against, the warring against powers and principalities, against the struggles in, 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 in heavenly places. I mean, we are in a battle. And it's up to us to persevere and get through those things. Now, the other thing that's really interesting, too, that I, I found in the Scripture with regard to perseverance is what happens if we don't persevere in a matter. And uh, if we turn to the book of Acts really quickly, and I don't have this Scripture written down, so I'm going to actually turn there. In Acts 27, now, I'm, let me paint the picture here. Acts 27.20 is the main Scripture, but this is where, again, Paul is on the boat with all the prisoners and they're, uh, and they're, they're, they're casting off, they're heading, I think all, they were supposed to go to Rome, right? And they ended up uh, in, in this huge, huge storm. Um, and they were being violently tossed. I mean, they go, they've gone for days without seeing you know, sun or land or anything. Um, and starting in verse 18, I think I'll start there. It says, the next day we were being violently storm-tossed and they began to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now, at this point, you can imagine, I mean, they're, they're just hoping beyond hope that, you know, they're going to see an end to this, right? That's the whole thing about persevering. I mean, and the thing is, what I said in the very beginning, persevering means to continue on even when you don't see what? The outcome. When you don't see an outcome. When there is no end in sight. That's the hard part about persevering. You know, these men, we see here, they, it's going on for days now. The third day, they get, began, you know, again, throwing things overboard. And since, listen, verse 20, since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Many days now are gone by. They're not seeing anything. They're not seeing an end to this thing at all. 
and no, and no small storm was assailing us, from, from then, listen, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. So what did they, what did they end up losing? Their hope. So what happens when we, continue, when we stop persevering? What it really means is what? We're losing hope. And when you lose hope, that's not a, that's not a good thing at all because losing your hope, mean, you, just, you just you give up. I mean, I think of the battle, like I said, that we're in. If I were to just give up, right now I'd just throw in the towel. I mean, I can't even imagine doing that. But I mean, what, 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 it would, what would be left? I mean, there would be nothing left. We have to continue to fight. We have to continue to supply our faith with that perseverance. Otherwise, our faith, if it doesn't become activated, we begin to lose hope. And that's the thing we have to guard against, is losing our hope. All right. I, oh, let's go on to the next one then. So, that's the definition of perseverance in some pictures. So can we move on? Okay, so the source then, what is the source of perseverance? And we can, it's interesting, uh, you know, there's two sources of perseverance. Let's look at them. One is everybody's favorite, called tribulation, okay? It says Romans 5.3, and not only this, but we also exalt. Why do we exalt in our tribulations? Because they bring about perseverance. So tribulations produce perseverance. Now, the thing is, though, they, that perseverance has to be activated or supplying what? Faith in order for that to happen. Okay? The other source, and this is the, the cop-out. No, it's not a cop-out, but it's the easy way out in, in, a, in, a, in a sense, right? Because... God's the other source of perseverance. Let's, let's look at this in Romans 15, 6. It says, now may God, the, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. And another similar corollary verse is the one underneath this, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. It says, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, and into stead, the steadfastness of Christ. Okay, st- there's that word steadfastness. Remember, that was part of that Greek meaning of, of perseverance. Okay, so the Lord directs us, the Lord gives and then directs our hearts toward perseverance. Now, if, if I was going to choose which one of these I was going to take, door number one or door number two, what are you going to take? <laughs> door number two. So the important thing here is that we can ask God, Lord, grant me perseverance. Lord, grant me perseverance. And that's important to know. Because in a situation, I need perseverance right now. Lord, grant me perseverance. Now, I will say, however, that a lot of times the way the Lord will grant us perseverance is to bring about tribulation. (laughs) That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, because how? Wait, because why? Because he knows that's, that's, that's often God's way of, of providing us, what? Perseverance. How do, you get, how do you really believe 
You know, it's really, the, it's through the tough times, right? I mean, I'll, we'll often say, I mean, I know, I'll know my, my true brothers is when I'm going through a hard time. Those are the people that stand with you when, when, it, when, the tough, when, when stuff gets tough, right? It's the, it's, when it's easy, it's really nice. To, it's easy to love people and, and easy to stand with people when, it's, when things are going well. But when things are going tough, that's where you really find out who those are standing with you. Um, okay, so that's the source of perseverance. Let's go on and talk about some, next one, Amy, the benefits. Because there's a tremendous number of benefits of perseverance. We just think of, man, it's just going to make me, you know, it's, it's adding to my faith bucket, right? I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to believe it's going to activate my faith. But there's a whole other side of, of things that, that resolve that are really, really good things about perseverance. So let's look at these. First of all, discipline. And there's two specific scriptures in Hebrews 12, 7 and James 5, 11. Now let's remember, what does discipline mean? Everybody's heard Rick's teaching on this, so let's the quiz time here. What's that? Train. What else? Instruct and to train, right? It's not let's not think about what? Persecution or, you know, spanking on the butt kind of thing. It's it's about to instruct to train up, okay? So let's look at Hebrews twelve seven. It is for discipline that you endure. That inward endurance again, that's that perseverance, right? We endure. God deals with you as sons, for what son is whom the Father does not discipline? And then James 5.11. We count those blessed who endure, right? You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Well, you know, the whole book of Job is a story about perseverance, isn't it? It really is. I mean, you see what amazing tragedy and trial came, came about. But then you see the outcome. I mean, the outcome, the revelation that God brought Job through that. I mean, it was a, it was a long process, right? It wasn't a, something that just, you know, overnight, oh, I persevered, let's move on. It was a, you know, it was a, a huge chunk of his life. So it, we have to endure that process. So the discipline of the Lord is a benefit of persevering. But there's also some great other things. To be perfect and complete, lacking nothing in James 3, 1, 3 to 4. And let endurance have its perfect result. What is the ultimate result of perseverance? That you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Now what is better than that? I mean, is there anything better than that? To be perfect? Hey, I'm perfect. That's the final result. That's an awesome thing. That's an awesome benefit of perseverance. Is it not? Would you agree? What about Hebrews 12, 2 and 3? Joy. Jesus, have it, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for what? The joy set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus saw the outcome. He could see. God gave him a perspective, an understanding of what will happen if you just if you do this, you go through this. The joy gave him the strength to endure the cross. The joy gave him the strength to endure the cross. So we can 
you know, the, the fruit of joy in our lives is, is it's powerful. And it can help us through, you know, tragic times. And I just think even, you know, last week when I was up in Connecticut where Rena and Josh are, and I'll be heading tomorrow again for a 10-day stint up there. Um, and I'd really covet your prayers. But uh, just the joy of our family uniting in, in, in something like this, in prayer and, and just petition, and seeing how your kids just intercede and, and, and how they respond to God brings joy to my heart and strengthened me. It strengthened me. It was an amazing thing. So, Okay, moving on. Hope. Romans 15.4. For whatever is written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, what? We might have hope. Remember, what is the object of our faith? Jesus. Well, how do we, I mean, it's like Rick says, the flashlight is hope, right? The, the whole ability or focus, that focus on Jesus is hope. Because we have hope in that what? He will, he will answer our prayer. He will fulfill all his promises. He will do all those things. So our, I mean, that's the thing is that that's the exciting thing is that that hope will never disappoint. The hope in Jesus. It will always produce. It's always something that will bring life to us. So hope. Next slide. There's more benefits. Isn't this exciting? Proven character is a benefit of perseverance. It says, and perseverance, and it, should, it brings about proven character, and then proven character hope. So there's that hope again. So, but per, we, it brings about proven character, about, again, com, becoming complete. So the, our, our, our life process of persevering in, in, through obstacles, persevering through trials, tribulations, all these things allow us to, to build a character in us that's going to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing, proven character. We'll be able to stand before our righteous judge and he'll be able to say, well done, faithful servant. Well, what about deliverance from the judgment that is to be, that God's bringing even to the world? In Revelation 3.10, it says, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I'll tell you, there's a, there's a judgment coming and a, a testing coming to this world that I'm glad that we're not going to be a part of, you know, that God's going to spare us of. And I'm really thankful for that. Because why? Because we've, we've persevered in the Word. We've persevered in, in the obedience of Jesus Christ. And finally, there's a commendation from God for persevering. Let's look at this in Revelation. I know there's other parts of the scripture. I understand that because there's also a but. <laughs> there's a but to this. But uh, I know the deeds of your toil and perseverance. Okay? He's saying, you know, we've toiled, we've persevered. And that you cannot tolerate evil men. And that you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. God recognizes that. He recognizes that you persevered. You know, you, you haven't grown weary. And the, and the thing is, that's what we have to battle against, is growing weary in what? In persevering. Growing weary. Don't, I mean, the Lord says, don't grow weary in doing good. Doing good is persevering. 
that we persevere. Hang in there. I'm just trying to see if there's something else I wanted to add here. All right, let's let's move on. So then the bottom line on this is, what are we supposed to persevere in? He says, well, am I supposed to persevere in bad, hokey football? I don't think that one was in the Word. But there are a number of things that we are supposed to persevere in. And um, I can start going through these. I don't know if I'll read them all. Let's see. I've... But let's start going through them. So first of all, is simply obeying the Word of God. It says in John 8, 31 and 32, if you continue in my Word. There's that word, remember, to continue in. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, you get a picture of what? Persevering. To continue. In, no matter what. Continue in my word. Then you are truly my dis, uh, disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now that's exciting. Right? Persevere in the word. Why? Because when you continue to persevere, continue to allow it to be in your life, to allow it to change your life, you're going to know the truth. That God will bring about revelation. Because why? His truth, is, His word is truth. So you feed yourself with truth. The truth will make you free. That's exciting. How about, here we, I already said about the trials. James 1, 2, right? Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Wow perseveres under trial. You'll receive the crown of life. That's exciting. So that's what we're supposed to persevere in. The other one is tribulations. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoicing in hope, but persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. That's an interesting combination. The next one, persecutions and afflictions. 2 Thessalonians 1.4 says, Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Right? So, persecutions. I mean, we face persecutions from people. I've certainly faced lots of persecution in my own department and the people I work with. Uh, you know, you just, you, you just endure and you don't grow, you know, bitter. You don't judge. You just you, you endure, believing that there's you know there's a good outcome. And I'm believing for that good outcome. And I'll hopefully in another week let you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, um, unity. Okay, persevere in unity. I mean, that's something we and as a church. What unity in the faith? Right. That's a big one. Philippians one twenty seven. It says. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm. There's that word again, to stand, right? Standing firm, persevering in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving for the faith, persevering in together. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing as a body. The other one is being alert because the world needs more alerts. All right? 
You've heard, you've heard that, right? That's, that's old. <laughs> okay, be alert. Ephesians 6.18 um, says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You know, that's the thing. You know, that is one of the things that really you really have to have a, uh, a real heart to hear God. Because alertness in the Spirit is, is, a, is something that comes through what? Through, t- through testing, through, through a, that deep relationship with, with the Father. Where you begin to hear, you see things, you perceive things, you know. And, uh, you know, I don't ever like to, I'm not a what, I can't, I don't like to get into the what if things. Because, you know, and you, again, with whole, this whole thing, you go, what if we had known? Or what if Josh had, had a colonoscopy and all of that stuff? And you go, begin to go, gee, Lord, if I, maybe if I had, you know, heard you or something. And that, you, you can't do those kind of things, right? You can't go there. But at the same time, I think that when we're in situations, I believe that, we need to be alert. I mean, you know, whether it be when we go to a restaurant, whether God might be speaking to us about, you know, speaking to our, our waitress or looking for an opportunity. When the word says, look for the opportunity. Um, and that's what it means about being alert, you know. And that's the thing. When we start understanding that persevering brings about alertness. That's exciting to me. And giving thanks. Persevere in giving thanks. I mean, how often do we, um, I mean, give thanks? I mean, it should be a, a daily, a daily ritual in our lives. I mean, one of the things I like to do in the first thing I get up in the morning is thank God, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that I have another day to, to know you and to to walk with you. And I thank you, God, for my family. I thank you, God, for the life that you give us. First Thessalonians five eighteen and everything in everything give thanks. Um. Now, it's inter- what I want to say, in everything, not for everything, okay? I'm not giving thanks for cancer. It's from the pit of hell. But I'm giving thanks knowing that there's going to be an outcome of glory. No matter what, Josh wins, right? Because this is God's will for you. How about doing good? Persevere in doing good. Romans 2.7 For to those who be by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. Persevere in doing good. About waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Um, Romans 8.23 and 25 I mean I'll just just in verse 25 I'll read just for the sake of time it says but if we hope that uh, we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. That's the whole thing about even not when we don't see. That's the whole thing about what faith is, right? It's believing, continuing. Mitch talked, spoke on this several weeks ago. Is you know, in the face of, you know, me, the scientist part of me, would look at our track record in praying for people with cancer, and go, oh gee, you know, I mean, hmm, the odds. What are the odds? But I can't, what? I, I can't do that. We have to continue to persevere believing in the character and glory of God. That is higher than the statistics. Right? That's greater than the, the, the odds here in this world. We're going to see. I mean, I, I mean, I take great, you know, Heidi Baker, the, this, the great 
minister who's you know gone to to Africa. You know her story. I mean, she went for three years. But I mean, she was told that you know God told her, "I'm go to Africa. I'm calling you to heal the kids. You know, to set the captives free, to see the blind healed, and the ears of deaf people restored." And I mean, everything. And she went there, and for three years saw nothing. I mean, she could have what? Given up. He said, Lord, obviously I'm, I didn't hear. It's not working. But what did she do? She persevered in faith. She persevered. And then all of a sudden, she just believed. She persevered. She had her hope fixed on Jesus. And then one person was healed. Then the next person. And then the next. And then the next. And then villages were healed. Hospitals were cleared out. I mean, just... It was almost a hundred percent success rate of prayer and believing and, and seeing people healed. And that's the thing. I mean, that's the encouragement. Is that no matter what the statistics say, and that's really easy to go by what the doctors say. You know, the doctors are saying, "Well, he might make it till Christmas." And and you know, we got to be careful that you don't let that rule your heart, because. The only thing I want ruling my heart is the Holy Spirit. And there are no odds that matter. It's about believing and persevering in faith. We are to persevere in the Word. Here this re- in, in Titus, it's referring really to the elders. The elder must hold fast to the faithful Word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort and sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. So, God's word, persevere in it. And then, of course, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 17, rejoicing in prayer, rejoice always. Again, that continuation, right? And pray without ceasing. I mean, what does that mean? You've got to persevere. It's not something you just can, can continue to do without perseverance. And the last one is really, I like too, too, the Luke, you know, talks about in the, the parable of the sower, but the seed that fell on good soil, these are the ones which have heard the word of God in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with what? With perseverance. So we bear fruit by what? Persevering. I mean, that's about the whole thing about co- becoming complete. Wow, there's a lot of stuff there on perseverance, isn't there? I mean, that's really, uh, there's, a, there's a ton of things we need to persevere in. All right, so let's move on, and we're gonna. Next thing we've got to do is, is talk about Amy, um, self control. <laughs> self control, yes. All right, let's talk about self control then. Now the thing is, perseverance supplies self control. Okay, so in other words, we have to persevere. In self-control, it's it's not like you just have it. It's, it's you have to persevere to have it. All right, it's we have to persevere in. Now the Greek word, which I can't really pronounce very well, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Ekratia, ekratia, how was that? Ekratia, agratia. All right, that's for for Rick. <laughs> um, me, literally. Yeah, I know that's like that's and it's all Greek to him, right? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that's that's not good. Anyway, 
The, the key here, I mean, the really interesting thing means a mastery, okay? A mastery or to be strong in a matter. Now, that's really, that's, that's, I like that. So here's my definition. Now, the interesting thing is we have to understand is that self-control is a facet of the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So it's not something we, we ask for. It's ultimately something we, we choose, Okay? So it's choosing to operate by and remain in or to be strong in a particular area in the face of temptation or the face of whatever, all right? Again, it's a spiritual fruit um, from Galatians. So it's an outcome of operating in the spirit. And the interesting thing, self-control, it affects, I should say, it really operates in and that's the thing I would have, I, these are my old notes, I don't know what happened. But anyway, it operates in our body, our soul, and our spirit. Now we can easily get a picture of how self-control, and I've given a, a couple examples, I mean, operates in the flesh. I mean, and it, one, of the, one of the key verses there is in 1 Corinthians 9.25. And if we turn there really quickly, um, as you can see how the self-control um, will operate in our flesh. Because Paul talks about, those who compete in games, right? It says that everyone who competes in the games exercises what? Self-control in all things. I mean, so if you're, if you're an athlete, or especially a professional athlete, you're not just exercising self-control in, while you're there doing drills or getting prepared for a game, but you're exercising self-control in the things you eat, you know, how much sleep, you know, how, you, how well you hydrate. I mean, all the things in your whole life I mean, you have to exercise control, self-control in all things. You can't just go and do whatever you want. You can't go, you know, getting blitzed at night and go perform the next day. Now, I know there's, there's probably athletes who've done that, okay? But they're not performing their best. They're not operating in self-control. So there's self-control, obviously, that affects our, that affects our body. A, a, a spiritual facet of the fruit of God, or spiritual fruit that affects us, and operates in, in the way we uh, handle or in our fleshly lives. And there, that is good. That is beneficial. We need self-control. You know, don't go in that freezer and eat, devour that gallon of ice cream. All right? Again, but the, the thing is, again, the focus has to be what? Supplying faith. Why are you operating in self-control is the key issue. Is it... Pointing toward Jesus is the reason we're, I mean, if my heart, look, let's get back to that gallon of ice cream. I don't know why I keep going there. Why do I do that? I'm, I'm putting, probably putting guilt on some people, and I don't mean to do that. But if my motivation is because I want, I believe God's called me to, to, to take care of my body and to, and to make sure that I nourish and care for it, and I recognize that if I ate that gallon of ice cream, that probably would not be a good thing to do for that reason. I mean, then I'm operating in what? I'm faith, because I'm applying what? The Word of God, what the Word of God says. I'm believing that I shouldn't do that because I know I shouldn't do that. It's not good for me because God's called me to have, you know, walk in truth and holiness and, and, and take care of myself so that I can be fruitful in all things. That, that wouldn't be a good thing then it's that self-control that's even operating in the flesh is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're not putting guilt on me. Okay. 
But I, I saw it as probably not doing very much harm if you just ate a gallon of ice cream, a random gallon of ice cream, but it's a gateway. Oh, that's, yeah, and yeah, we'll a, it them, leads yeah. to a slippery slope away from self-control and to self-pity and to things that Excellent. You know, Satan wants. So probably in and of itself, one gallon is not going to do you that much harm, but this, the gateway effect. That's is, exactly. And there's, some, there's a couple great scriptures that I'll get to shortly here that refer to that very same thing. That's good. But, you know, the thing is self-control also operates in the soul realm. Um, if we look at, uh, there's a number of a number of things here. Ephesians 4.26, it says, you know, do, do not be angry. Or, you know, it says, how does it go? Do not be angry or let the sun go down on your anger. Um, yeah, so don't, so don't give the devil an opportunity. Or, uh, let me read it correctly. 426 says, and, and it says, be angry, and yet do not, let the, uh, do not sin. And so do not let the sun go down on your anger. What, what does that mean? Well, it means what? Having self-control in our, about, our, you know, about getting angry. I mean, I understand that you can get angry, but use self-control. Don't let that, what, cause you to go over to the point where you're sinning, where your anger causes you to do something or say something that would, what, be harmful or hurtful. And, you know, think about, I think about with, you know, my, my wife and I. Well, you can have a disagreement. You can be angry over a situation, but it, it don't let that spill over into saying something that would be hurtful, harmful, you know, out of the flesh or out of our, just a hurtful situation, feeling rejected or whatever it might be. All right? So what do we do? We exercise self-control over that part of our what? Our soul. So there's soul, there's self-control operates in all facets of our being. And the last one is in, even in the spirit. Look at Proverbs 16.32. Um, let's turn, to, let's see. I think I might have it here. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Rules the spirit. In other words, has self-control over his spirit. Now, it's really interesting, too, in, in, in other scripture in Proverbs with regard to these pictures, I would actually, you know, since I'm on this thing of the Spirit, and this is something that Kathy just brought up, let's look at Proverbs 25, 28, because this is exactly what Kathy was just referring to. It says, Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no self-control over his spirit. Why do you have walls? I mean, a broken into, what means what? The enemy has come in. If we have no self-control, we're basically saying we're giving the enemy reign and to operate in, in the very midst of our, our self, in our being. Lack of self-control. Just opens up the doorway for the enemy. Exactly what Kathy was speaking there. Now, with regard to... Uh, um, we already talked about exercise in the flesh. There's another interesting thing, too, and, and Paul talked about it in Acts 24, 25. I want to turn there. This is where Paul was, was before Felix. Now, these are rulers. These are Roman rulers, okay? Um, and Paul was arguing with them. I mean, he, there was, he would... Oftentimes, Felix would call Paul, and they, they would have these, you know, these nice, I don't want to say debates, but discussions. And 
and look at in verse 24, it says, and some, some days later, Felix arrived with his wife Priscilla, who, were Jewish, uh, who was a Jewess, and, and they sent for Paul so they could hear him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. So there was something, obviously, that God was doing in him, right? But at the same time, these people, you know, in this area, they, you know, leaders and, and so forth are, were, tend to be what? In that day, very, uh, probably no different than today, kind of hedonistic, doing their own kind of thing, operating in licentiousness. How is that word? Licentiousness. Yeah, there we go. All that kind of stuff, right? But as he was discussing, listen to what Paul says, as he was discussing, I guess, this is probably Luke writing this, right? As he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Now, it's, it, it was really interesting to me that he would discuss those things. So he was discussing righteousness. Well, it's, it's understanding why he would do that, about being right, about righteousness of God. But the other thing, why would he go to write the self-control? I think, it, again, he was speaking to a culture here where the lack of self-control was just completely rapid. I mean, just basically entertaining anything, any evil deed, any evil thought was just, uh, you know, just was Okay. And so I think Paul was focusing on self-control here simply because, you know, he, was rec- he said, you know, you guys, you're just not getting it. You think that just this, this lifestyle you're living is just, you know, you can just do whatever you want. But there's a, there's a judge. And that's what he talked next thing is judgment. There's a righteous judge. And you better get, you better get your life in order. And I think that what happened was what? Felix got scared. I mean, his, I mean, he, I think it scared him. I mean, he would send him away. But uh, anyway, so lifestyle. Okay, where are we? Ah, lack of self-control there. Um, we've already seen one episode. And that's, that's where, again, in First Corinthians, really, to where a husband and wife would, you know, uh, would give up, their, you know, again, having sex so they could go and pray. And he says, because of your lack, or not that one. I guess that's not the one. That's the one about, getting, I mean, let me get this right. I don't want to mess up. Maybe that isn't the right. Is that the right one? Seven? And he says, you know, give up you know, that time together physically for, the, for prayer. But if your lack of self-control, or, then you should come together, right? If you, you, because of your lack of self-control. I thought that was one if you're in, is that the one I'm thinking of? Is that the right one? Okay. All right. Yeah. So, all right. So the source of self-control then, what is the source? We talked about the source of perseverance, being trials and the Lord himself. Really, well, the self-control thing is really an outcome of choosing. And again, I got my old notes. It's really an outcome or choosing to walk in the Spirit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In Romans, the corollary is Romans, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Now again, setting the mind on the Spirit, so when, if the type of self-control that feeds faith, it's going to be what? It's going to be accompanied by the other facets of the fruit. In other words, if I just have operate and think it's self-control, self-control, but I'm, I'm angry and bitter the whole way through, you know, I'm just operating that self-control, I'm going to do that thing. You know, there's a th- something called in this world called stubbornness, 
that is not, you know, we can think of that as oftentimes persevering or self-control, but it's, well, it's just, it's, it's flesh, it's stubborn, it's stubbornness, all right? And that's, that's not the self-control we're talking about. Self-control here is going to be what? Accompanied by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness because you can't separate those facets of the fruit. If we're operating in the self-control that is supplying faith, then it will, it, we're going to see these other facets in our lives. Okay, so it's a choice. It's walking in choice. So persevering, and again, this whole thing about persevering in, in self-control. Becoming a master requires what? Practice. It's not, we don't just, you know, we often think, well, I'm going to, if I choose, if, I, if I'm choosing, you know, life, and I'm in walking in the spirit, then I should automatically be completely full of all these things. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? It's, it's, Paul talks about the fact that these things will be growing in increasing measure. So that, that, why? So that they continue to supply our faith so that our faith can what, be more fully activated, that we believe bigger, that we understand more. All right? So, again, so in this whole perseverance thing, because perseverance is pouring into self-control, Persevering, it's, it's a long, we're in for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. And as we continue to persevere, that self-control will continue to be supplied and that we will become better, we'll become more a master of the thing that, we're, that God's called us to have self-control. Okay, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's go on to the next slide. Well, there's a couple things left. It's, yeah, there's a couple. Let, let, the importance of self-control from the Word of God. One is that it demonstrates wisdom. Proverbs 29.11, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. There again, it, with regard to the, in the soul realm there, right? So, it de- I mean, a self-controlled person is a person of wisdom. And also, here's the interesting thing that the Lord has shown me too, um, about keeping us from sinning. Ephesians, and we've read 4.26. Be angry, yet not, uh, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity, right? There, there's an, there's, within there, you can read in self-control. But I, too, with regard to these doorways of temptation, and that's why I have a picture of a guy there standing in the door. It's because, you know, again, we have an opportunity. There's always going to be doorways of temptation that come in our lives. And in, in 1 Corinthians 10.13, we know this scripture. It says, No temptation has overtaken you such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide a way of escape so that you, what, you'll be able to endure it. Here's that word endure again. Now remember that what is supplying our self-control? It's the endurance, right? It's the perseverance. So I really believe what God has spoken to me is that the way of escape is really the self-control. As we persevere, as we endure, it's going to feed that self-control to be able to say, you know what, that door right there, that door of temptation, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have have mastery over that thing. I'm not going to walk through that door. I'm not going to do it. I choose Jesus. I'm going to, you know, persevere through this thing. That's the supply. And in faith, that doorway, I'm going to shut that door and it will not be an obstacle to me any longer. 
I'm, I've become master over it. And pretty soon what will happen is those doorways will stop opening. Because once you become a master, you think the enemy is going to waste his time opening a door? He knows that you have no inkling to even go through that door? No way. You'll have to find something else. Or find someone else. <laughs> That's exciting. That's about being complete, right? Lacking nothing. Right? All right. Let's wrap this up then. Next slide. So, um, now uh, you'll notice that this is a little bit different bucket list here. <laughs> Get that? Bucket list? Um, <laughs> uh, but I have knowledge on there because if you look back at the scripture, and I don't want to take whoever's teaching knowledge, I don't even remember who's teaching on knowledge, but, but you'll notice that self-control supplies knowledge. Because you know, in the first picture, I didn't put everything in there. Ultimately, everything goes into faith, right? Supplying faith. But we obtain knowledge. Self-control supplies knowledge. To me, that's really exciting. Because... Um, that means that as we, as we exercise self-control, in other words, as we're supplying that to faith, we will grow in knowledge of God, of who he is, how he operates. His, his, like Rick likes to use the word movement, how he moves. We'll have a knowledge of that. As we exercise, self-control will help produce that, understand it, or that knowledge of him. You know, when we know him, I mean, just think about how you, you know your, your spouse or your kids. You know them. Why do you know them? Because you spend time with them. And it, you, it, it's, a, it's an exciting thing. So it's self-control. So it's going to supply the knowledge of, under, of an understanding of God himself, the very way he operates and moves in our lives. And to me, that's, that's really exciting. Really exciting. So... Again, I could go back and read our scripture. I won't do that, but um, I just want to. Uh, I just want to ask if it, I mean Rick or Mitch or anybody might have anything else they want to say about 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 that. You have something. I, I, knew, I knew he would have something to say. So, okay. Um, no, I, I, I hadn't really given it a whole lot of thought. No, There's a couple things I just wanted to highlight. You know, just as you know, what we do to bring things out. Tom asked a really big thing. What is the source of of of, pers- of self-control, in which can generate perseverance? You got to remember what this is all in relationship to. It's all in relationship to your faith. It begins with your faith, and what we're operating in is, as you recall, in the past scripture in Second Peter chapter one, it says. Supply in your faith excellence, of which I'm supposed to speak on next week, and in your excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. So what you're doing is, what it is, is in relationship to what is excellent in relationship to who God is. And, and think about this passage in 1 Corinthians 9.25, the one that Tom, which Tom read to us. And hear what it says, and this is what the Lord was just calling me out to it. It says, it says, for everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Why are you exercising self-control? Because why? Competing. You compete. You know, I, I, it, there was a point in time in my life that I exercised a lot of self-control in relationship to exercise and what I ate. It was when I was competing, when I played football. 
and that's what I, you know, when I was playing football and baseball, I was diligent in that. Now, I continued on later, but, but what happened was that was a source for me to exercise self-control. One of the things that I just heard the Spirit and the Spirit of the Lord say is for us to have revelation that we are competing. We are competing. The thing that is in competition for us is our faith. Because like it says in James 1.12, he who perseveres under trial receives the crown of life. Because all this is about your faith. Satan is conning us to give up our faith. And so we've got to realize we are in a competition. And the competition is in relationship to our faith. I heard last week I was in a in a service down in North Carolina, down Charlotte, uh, when I was down at Shays. And during the middle of service, the guy was talking about ob- adversity and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, during the middle of service, I heard the Lord say to me, kill the man with the ball. <laughs> kill the man with the ball. And kill the man with the ball was a game that we used to play as a kid. It was a football game. And so what you do is, is you take the football and you throw it up in the air, and you have a whole bunch of kids and run around, and... Whoever got the ball then had the ball, and the goal was to keep the ball, just to keep the ball. But as a result, everybody else was after the guy with the ball. They're trying to kill him. And so, but if you had the ball, you were it. I mean, you had the ball, everybody was after you. And I just heard the Lord say, you know, why are you getting trying to get creamed? You got the ball. You got the ball. Why are you facing adversity? What? You got the ball. Now, if you throw away the ball, guess what? Nobody's going to tackle you. Not any value. But you have a ball. And you know what it is? Your faith. Don't throw it away. Exercise self-control in it. And in what Tom was saying, persevere in that. Persevere in that. Don't give up the ball. Keep it. It's cool. Good. Yeah. So anyway, is there any way you guys put in your heart for us? To... Well, I just I would like to just pray that you know, because you know where we've where we've maybe have given up. I mean, I just one one of the things I don't want is that we somehow go, man, Lord, I in this area of my life, I just you know I gave up. You lost hope. Um, and that's what will happen. I mean, you, you, you lose hope in a situation. And, and if, if, if there is an area in your life, for number one, where you feel like that, we, I would just like to pray for you. And the other thing that we need to realize is that we're not to persevere alone, this whole thing. I mean, we, this is what the church is for. I could not stand here today without being a puddle of nothing here if it wasn't for you guys praying for me and my family. I couldn't do it. We need each other to hold one another up. Heck, Rena's faith is building my perseverance. We need each other. We need each other. And so, I, let me just pray. And, and again, I want to just invite you to, to, to come up too. If there's, an, again, an area of perseverance or self-control. Maybe you're, you feel like a failure in an area, particularly self-control. That's an easy one to pick on, right? Because where we, you know, there, there's, you think, man, I just can't get victory in an area. I just, 
I want to become a, you know, the Lord's calling us to be a master. You know, and the neat thing is, here's the thing. I really, truly believe this, that once you become a master, I mean, the enemy has nothing. That's what that means to be complete. Because he ha- if you have mastered something, what can he do? Nothing. There's nothing he can do. There's no temptation he can throw your way that would persuade you. I've mastered that thing. That's exciting. So, and again, so if there's an area of either where you feel like I just have given up, I've given up hope, or you feel like I need prayer for self-control in an area, a particular area, I would, I would like to have some people maybe come up and and for that. So, Lord, I just really pray right now, God, that Holy Spirit, that our hearts, Lord Jesus, again, we recognize, Lord, we are in a battle, a continual battle, Lord, over this thing called faith in our lives that the enemy wants to defeat because he knows, the enemy knows, probably even better than some of us understand, that if we operate in the fullness of faith that God has given, if our faith has been activated by the supply of all these things to the fullest measure, there isn't anything that we can't accomplish. There isn't anything that we can't do in Christ. We will say to that mulberry tree, be uplanted and thrown into the sea. It only takes a mustard seed of faith, as Mitch spoke several weeks ago. That's all it takes. It's not more faith. It's activating that faith. So, Lord, I just pray right now for every heart, God, where, where, where people have felt defeated, have felt maybe I, I just this area is just continually before me. I just can't seem to gain victory or have self, exercise self-control in. Where I've, where I've failed, Lord, I've just kind of given up hope in an area. Lord, I just pray right now that those people would be, uh, Lord, would just feel led to come and get some prayer and realize that, Lord, you're just calling for the body to stand together. Like I said, we need each other. God's not calling you to stand alone in a matter. We have each other. So, Lord, just, just move, Lord, on our hearts because, Lord, this thing called faith is the most important thing we have. It's the most important thing we have. And so, Lord, let us guard it and supply it with everything that we need for life and godliness. And we just give you thanks for this day. And I just pray a blessing upon every individual, Lord. We just give you praise and glory, God. Because you are faithful. You are full of faith, Lord. And you're calling us to the same. So we bless your holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Have a blessed day.